podcast contains many spoilers. Just be aware of that. Also like to apologize for any problems with the sound quality during the course of this recording. Obviously, we're meeting via Zoom and sometimes internet connections just aren't quite right. And on this instance, I think Liz's internet was just going a bit odd from time to time. Might have been mine. Don't know. Please enjoy. It's the My Favourite Film Podcast. I'm Gav Smith. Um, This series, we're going back to musicals again. I think it's the third musical this series so far. And my guest tonight is Liz Bishop. Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, So I'm Liz Bishop. Um, I am a senior contributor for Ghouls magazine, which is a online horror site where we cover horror from the female perspective. Um, So generally, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and all other social medias talking about horror films. However... My other genre of choice is 100% rom-coms and musicals, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm here today to talk about something not scary at all. Good, because we've had a couple of other people on from um, Ghouls Magazine. Um, mm-hmm. We had Cat Hughes on and Melissa Cox the last couple of weeks. Yes. Um, and they yes. both talked about horror films, so <laughs> be nice to not talk about horror yeah. films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that the you know if you looked at my sort of top one hundred films of all time, they're probably ninety nine percent horror. But yeah. I've got a real soft spot for musicals, yeah. so fair yeah. enough. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the musical we're going through tonight is it's a little different as musical school. Um, can you tell us what the film is and? If if possible, a little plot synopsis. Is that possible, a plot synopsis? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so today we are talking about my favourite film of all time, which is Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. Um, so the story follows English writer Christian, played by Ewan McGregor, um, who moves to Paris and he's taken to the famous Moulin Rouge nightclub cabaret bar um, where he meets the star of the show, Satine, played by Nicole Kidman. Um, she is a courtesan who has been promised as the wife to a very rich duke in exchange for him to fund a show at the Moulin Rouge where she gets to be the star. Um, however, there's a bit of a mix-up when they first meet and she actually thinks that Christian is the rich duke and they sort of fall in love over a musical number in a giant (laughs) elephant and it's all very romantic um, until she realizes her mistake obviously Um, they fall madly in love but he starts to become more and more jealous as she's sort of forced to hide their relationship and she gets closer and closer to you know having to seal the deal with the duke um so that causes a lot of issues um and then she's also hiding the fact that she's actually really poorly um she keeps having dizzy spells and coughing up blood and all sorts of things Um, so she doesn't really have much time left um and it sort of comes down to her having to decide you know is she going to spend the rest of her days on earth with the man that she loves or you know, is she going to sacrifice everything to sort of save this family and home that she's built at the Moulin Rouge? And that's it. Yeah, good. That's an, an excellent synopsis of what goes on. And this brief way through the film is yeah. good. I like it. 
Um, so, <laughs> when did you first see Moulin Rouge? So it came out in what two thousand and one. It's quite an old film now, I suppose. But yeah. when did you first see it? I was very lucky that I actually saw this in the cinema in two thousand and one. Yeah, my nan took me to see it. Um, probably looking back, not realizing that it was about um, a courtesan. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that I obviously at the time did not realize what that even meant. No, um, it just seemed like a very innocent love story to me yeah. um but yeah we went to see it at the cinema when i would have been 11 so yeah a bit of a bit of an odd one um but yeah. yeah i just i absolutely fell in love with it um and i just remember very specifically coming out of the cinema and being like wow that was incredible um and my nan gave me pocket money to buy the soundtrack oh excellent um and then i, I listened to it yeah and then i just listened to it pretty much every day forever <laughs> is it still on a loop then is it you just still play it absolutely um it's probably one of my most listened to albums of all time wow. i listen to it quite regularly yeah hey, nothing wrong with that it's got some good songs on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah brilliant yeah so did you pick to go and see it or was it your nan's choice and she just dragged you along or was it i want to go and see that please I cannot remember. I don't really, I don't really know. Um, I, to be honest, I should imagine that in you know in the early noughties when the cinema didn't cost sort of twenty pound a ticket. Yeah. Um, a lot of my family members, <laughs> a lot of my family members used to take me to the cinema. Um, I've got quite a lot of memories as a child of going to different things to see at the cinema quite regularly. Um, so I have a feeling that it was probably just what was on at the time. Right. Um, okay. Probably just, you know, the thing that maybe, weirdly, I've never spoken to my nan about it particularly. Um, she's passed now. But I, I imagine that it was probably just something that she saw and thought, you know, I can take Liz to that and yeah. hopefully we'll enjoy it. I, d I don't remember it specifically being something that I had sought out. Right. But yeah, obviously very glad that it, it was on that day. <laughs> very, very glad, yes. Yes, yes, so, definitely. What, I mean, you said it was sort of an immediate, you fell in love with it, and that was the film for you. Um, what type of effect did it have on you that made you then fall in love with it, I suppose, and want to buy the soundtrack and that type of thing? Um, I think I've always been a bit of a sort of, hopeless romantic um <laughs> even as even as a child um you know it was I don't know if it was because I sort of grew up with a single mom and didn't really see that kind of relationship or anything yeah. that sounds a bit deep but you know it's just that sort of thing that never really was around and I just I just remember sort of watching it and thinking everything was so in my childlike mind just so lovely and amazing that you know you could fall in love in a second you know in the space of one song and yeah <laughs> everything just it's so beautiful and it's yeah I don't I can't I, I couldn't tell you what made me love it then but over the years it's just every single time I watch it it guts me it makes me cry it makes me laugh um I just think it's beautiful and it's so different to anything else that I had ever seen or that yeah. I have seen since really. Yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, it is. It's as musicals go, it's a a very different musical than most of the musicals that were certainly made mm-hmm. before this. Maybe not after. Talk about that in a minute, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Did is it what made you a musicals fan, or were you a fan of musicals before this came along? I think I was probably a fan of musicals before it came along. Um, but I do think that this definitely sort of pushed me more towards um, wanting to do things like musical theatre. Yeah. So I grew up, like I say, with with my mom, and she was a quite a young mom, um, and she loved Grease. Yeah. Um, so we watched that a million times as <laughs> I was a child, um, and then my granddad is was also a musician um and he was really into musicals um he showed us films like west side story um sound of music you know all the classics yeah um so I, i kind of i think i always grew up loving musicals but 2011 would have been when i sort of went to high school yeah um and that was when i sort of joined um doing like the school plays um, yeah. getting into all the musicals at school and yeah. started to sort of all the way through senior school I really wanted to be an actress I really right. wanted to be, be in musical theatre yeah. and I, I definitely feel like Moulin Rouge was a, a big part of that it really I remember saying to my performing arts teacher almost every year when you know the discussions were coming up <laughs> about what production we were going to do please can we do Moulin Rouge please it'll be so good and you know, not really understanding that there's no way on earth that my little school in the middle of the Midlands would have been able to pay for the rights for these no. songs or anything like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it definitely it definitely made me more inclined to sort of to seek out that sort of film and and get into actual theatre and things. Yeah. Yeah. So did did you do other than at school? Did you continue with the musical theatre, or did it just go by the wayside and you became a, a writer instead? Um, I think what happened was I sort of did all of the school productions. I did performing arts at college um, and I was sort of in groups outside of my school as well, um, doing like musical theatre and stuff. But I think as I sort of got towards 18, I did that typical thing where I just really wanted money. Yeah. I just wanted to be able to go out with my friends and, you know, and yeah. it, it sort of got less and less something that I really, really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and as much as I enjoyed it, it was sort of, I, I can hold a tune, you know, I'm not completely tone deaf, but right. I'm also not the most amazing singer of all time. So, I, you know, I, realistically, I probably wouldn't have got that far. It's quite right. a hard thing to get into. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I do sometimes miss it and think it's a shame that I didn't carry on with it. But then I've definitely discovered more of a passion for for horror and writing and things yeah. as I've got older. So I've also got lots of tattoos and that would have been really hard to get into <laughs> anything. So ah, I don't know. In this this modern times, is, you know, <laughs> blind casting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Why, not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking horror and, and musicals. It, it's bizarre the amount of people I've talked to who are huge fans of horror and musicals is their second love. So, it's strange, uh, isn't it? Why, why is that? What is it about horror and musicals that go... Is it because there's such 
a juxtaposition to each other. You think that you know there's the being scared of it, and there's just the joy of musicals. And that's why people like both. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's it's a strange one, isn't it? It's a bit like horror, where you tend to find that people either really don't like it, will not watch a musical, will not, you know, will not watch a horror film, yeah. or they really, really love them, and yeah. it, you know, it's a really big passion. And I think if you if you're into musicals, especially if you're into live musicals and going to the theatre and things, yeah. it's quite an expensive hobby to have. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Well. Sad- with any film at the moment because yeah. as i said cinemas are extortionate these days but just bit. you know it's it is strange it's a weird it is a weird one yeah i, I kind of get it as a horror yeah. and musical fan i kind yeah. of get it <laughs> it was just it was, it was just interesting i think i've done is it three or four musicals in in this series alone and it, they've all been horror fans mm-hmm. that have then picked a musical as being their favorite film which is just strange but there you go um were you aware of the two sort of main stars, so Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, before seeing this, or were they just faces that happened to come up and sing? Um, I think because of my age, probably, yeah, it probably would have been just just people to me. Just people, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, but I think again, it's definitely something that, like, I will now actively sort of watch probably anything with Nicole Kidman <laughs> or Ewan McGregor in. They're definitely like up there with my favourite people. And I've always said that Ewan McGregor's like top of my list of all the people I'd really like to meet or yeah. you know, interview and stuff. Yeah. Especially now that he, he's been in um, Doctor Sleep and yeah, 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 crossed over in horror. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get him on get him in uh, Ghouls magazine for a bit of an interview. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Oh. It would be a dream come true. It yeah. would. It yeah. really would. He does seem like a really nice guy, so I'm sure he is. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard nice things. So yeah. and Nicole Kidman, I mean, you yeah. can't deny how incredible she is. And exactly. yeah. she's done she's done some quite interesting sort of horror or horror adjacent films. Yeah, definitely, so think, yeah. Yeah. I think she'd be really interesting to talk to. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um then there's Baz Luhrmann, because mm-hmm. he's kind of the he's the, the driving force behind this. I mean, he came this fresh from sort of Romeo and Juliet. Were you had been aware of Romeo and Juliet, Strictly Ballroom, before watching this, or had they come up afterwards, I suppose? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I, admittedly, I haven't actually seen Strictly Ballroom, but I am a massive fan of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. But I do think that I probably would have watched that quite some time after Moulin Rouge. Right, okay. Um, probably because it's a bit more um adult, I guess. Yes. There's a lot yes. more sort of it's a bit more graphic as even though it's sort of Baz Luhrmann's style where it's all very magical and yes. romantic and everything. I, I think it probably was quite some time after right. Moulin Rouge I would have watched that. Um, yeah. but yeah it's it's another one of my favourites. It's yeah it's just a beautiful film yeah, in every I mean, it, sense. Yeah, it shares, I mean, it's DNA. It shares an awful lot with with this. Mm-hmm. The, 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 just, as you say, the visuals, the way it looks, the whole magical nature of it, all very, very similar films from that point of view. Um, you can see how he went from one to the other. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the songs in this film, because it's 
it's not a traditional musical in that you get original songs that have been written for the film and that you, they tell the story. They've used a, a massive mix of other songs, I suppose. They're all conversions. Other than I think it's um, Come What May, which was written for Romeo and Juliet and then didn't get used. But that's the only song in it that's a, yeah. an original piece. Everything else is a cover version. Is that part of the sort of joy of the film, that it's it's well-known songs that they start singing that kind of fit into the story? Or would it have worked if it had been all original songs, you think? Um, see, again, this comes down to me being a child when I saw yes, it. For so, yes, I obviously went into this. I went into this not knowing really that they were all cover songs. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the first time I heard a lot of these songs was in this film. Um, right. I know that for quite a long time when I was younger, I thought that your song, yeah, the Elton John cover, yeah. was from Moulin Rouge. Right. I didn't realise for a long time <laughs> that Elton John had written that, um, <laughs> which wouldn't, I guess. No, I suppose not, yeah. Year old in the 90s, you know, I was, I was into the Spice Girls. I wasn't really <laughs> listening to Elton John. So, um, but I do think that it's it's the songs that that make it. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy for me to to love them all because yeah. I heard them all for the first time through that film. Yeah. But then as I've got older, it is sort of like I love all the original version like all the original versions of the songs that are sampled because right. of the film as well so it did sort of open me up to music that I'd never really listened to before you know Alton John yeah I think probably the only one that I, I probably would have known was um in Elephant Love Medley when he obviously he ended with I Will Always You the, a bit of Whitney Houston so yeah. I probably would have known yeah. that song already but yeah, yeah. with the voice um but I think it's I think it's so clever the way that they oh, yeah. use them. I mean, especially especially um, the rock the Roxanne cover, yeah. um, the song by Police. That's yeah. you know, it's about um, a sex worker, and, yeah, yeah. you know, using that to talk about um, Stephine going off with the Duke and you and McGregor as Christian being so like jealous and her and it being such an angry sort of version of that song I, yeah. I just think it's brilliant it's yeah. so so good it, it is it's very clever I'm just trying to think what it must be like to having watched this film not knowing any of those songs because obviously yeah I'm, I'm yeah. a bit older than you quite a lot older than you actually um it's 2001 <laughs> I would have been uh 30 already so I saw this much older um so, <laughs> yeah um, so I knew all of the songs and I knew them all as being um you know, cover versions other than I say um come what may, which was like, oh, there's actually an original song in this. Um, but I can't imagine going into it and not knowing any of the songs and having listened to those for the first time on this would be a really interesting experience. I'd like to be able to wipe my mind think, and do that. <laughs> do you think that um it made it better for you knowing those songs, or do you think you would have preferred it if they were all original ones? See, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously. Having watched it, and they're all very, they're all very different takes on the original songs. Um, they all sound very different, you know. Um, the Nirvana song, uh, it's gone. Teenage, it smells like Teen Spirit that sampled in the Can 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 song. 
Um, yeah. It's so different the way that's done. Uh, and then, as I say, things like your songs sounds very, very different. Roxanne sounds very, very different. There's so many songs in there that sound so much different than the original. But yeah, I guess I got a lot of, oh, I recognise that. I don't know what that is and try and work that out. But I don't know if that spoiled the way I was watching the film because I was all thinking about who, what song was this? Where did this come from? Who was this originally? All the way through. Yeah. Whereas if you went into it not knowing the songs and not knowing they're all cover versions... You just get yeah. the joy of the songs and just listen. Probably the second time I watched it, I wasn't thinking that. So maybe I enjoyed it more the second time because I already had worked out where the songs came from. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I think um, I think if when we get to, um, if we're going to talk about a bit later, the, the stage <laughs> production, yeah. I'll have a bit more to sort of right. offer on that side of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will get to the stage production, I think. Um <laughs> Let's talk more about the actual this film mode. So, have you got a favorite char- character in the film, and if so, why? Why are they your favorite? Um, it's very cliche and probably very obvious, <laughs> but Christian is yeah. my favorite character. Um, I think because I too am a poor aspiring writer <laughs> who is, you know, who believes in love. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm a romantic and I don't know just ev- everything he says and does just makes my heart flutter I just <laughs> I think he's so lovely and you know I completely relate to that sort of that artistic creative mind and being so sort of in love with someone that you're willing to you know put your own safety at risk and just give it give it your all and I, I don't know I just think He's so lovely. You and McGregor is so beautiful. Um, I can't deny that. You know, my 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 attraction to him helps. <laughs> Fair enough. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just think he's lovely. I just think you know he he does so much. He puts so much of him out there for her yeah. and puts up with so much. And yeah, I, he's definitely my favourite character. I I love him. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I was, I'm just trying to think what he'd done before this because he obviously is still very early on in his career. This he's only been, mm-hmm. I think, train spotting would be 96. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Yeah. So it's really about five years since train spotting. That was really his first big film. That's what everyone knows him from. But he did yeah. an awful lot of films in a short period of time before this. He's probably got mm-hmm. Star Wars in, in there because episode one was before 2000. So He's 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 already, I suppose, at a point in his career by the time this came along that he was getting really, really big and Hollywood were yeah. paying attention to him. So, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I feel like Ewan McGregor himself would be like a really interesting person to speak yeah. to because his career is so varied. Um, oh, yeah. There's obviously like when most people think of him, they probably do think of like Train Spotting and Star yeah. Wars. Obviously, I straight away will always think of him for Moulin Rouge. But yeah. he also yeah. um, he also voiced, oh, which character was it? Um, I think it was Lumiere in um, The Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he did, yeah. Action. Yeah. And like things like that that I think that people probably don't realise that he quite, you know, there's quite a lot to his career and a lot yeah, to his yeah, yeah. performances. Yeah, I mean, he's done, he's, his back catalogue of films is is massive. You know, he's, I can't think, yeah. I can't even think of all the films he's been in, but there's loads of films he has been in um, from his early yeah. career through to, to now. 
Um, and certainly, yeah, it's probably Obi-Wan Kenobi that people are going to think of the most of just because yeah. of that. But Train Spotting's got to be a, a high second on there. And do you know what? Yeah. If you think about his career, though, Moulin Rouge has got to be a high point in that as well. It has to be because it's, it is one of those films that people do think about. And I think it's probably Baz Luhrmann's effect there that people think of his films as being way up there on, on the, the scale of great films. And mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann hasn't actually made that many films when you think about it, certainly in comparison to Hugh McGregor. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's wild because, I mean, they're released, I think, come what my and um nicole kidman released one day i'll fly away as yeah. like chart singles and they were yeah. like in the charts yeah so yeah it had i think it did have quite an effect but again i think because i was so young and not really in the sort of mindset that i'm in now where i sort of follow movie news yeah. and yeah. careers yeah. of people and stuff i can't really remember what it was like then i just remember that i didn't really have any friends Right. that knew it and loved it as much as I did. Right. <laughs> it, it wasn't until I was sort of older that I've realised that, oh, quite a lot of people, you know, hold this film really in high regard and quite a lot of people, you know, wanted to see the musical and listen to all the songs regularly yeah. and things like that. But back then I thought it was, as you do when you were a child, I thought it was just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get that. <laughs> um. This might be different a favourite character, but who do you think mm-hmm. gives the best performance within the film? I mean, it could be the same. It could be Ewan McGregor still the best, but... I think I think Ewan and, and Nicole are both incredible in it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm biased because it's my favourite film, but I do <laughs> think that they both give really, really good performances. They do. It's very strong. Um, but, I, but I think you have to sort of give a shout-out to um, Richard Roxburgh, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing his surname mm. right, Roxburgh, um, who plays the Duke. Yeah. Um, because he's just, he's such a, a massive, in terms of the character, like such a big character. Yeah. He sort of goes from having these really cringy, funny, like whiny little baby boy moments <laughs> who, you know, just like, yeah, like throwing a tantrum sort of thing to being this really terrifying like predatory gross creepy villain and he does it so seamlessly like you would think that someone who's that silly and over the top and childish wouldn't be able to suddenly then make you feel really uncomfortable and scared yeah he does he really he really turns in some moments and I'm like oh like yeah, he does. He, yeah. Pulls, he pulls that off really well. He goes from yeah. those those strange sort of. It's almost like there's two people on screen. That he goes from this this child to this really yeah creepy kind of scary guy. Maybe that's where yeah, your love of horror I mean, comes from as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that. You know, he goes from singing a really cheesy, over the top version of "Like a Virgin," yeah. but then in the next moment, it's he's literally trying to sexually assault her yeah you know it's it's such a strange I think that's the same with all of Bazzi's films though you've got this like big magical glittery front yes then this really dark yeah like quite sad scary story underneath it yeah he tends to have a very dark undertone in in all of his films I suppose yeah yeah Yeah. even Romeo and Juliet which isn't written by him which a lot, this obviously is written by him as a 
there's an incredibly dark story in, in Romeo and Juliet. So, yeah. Right. It's obviously, it's a musical. There's songs in it. And there's a lot of songs. So to try and say what's your one favourite song is going to be difficult. But can you, are there sort of a list of your very favourites within there? within there? Because a lot of them are melodies where they, they put together quite a few different songs and make one big song. What's mm-hmm. your favourite sort of elements, favourite songs? Um, I think that an obvious one is definitely Come What May. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's the original one and because it's such a, it's, you know, it's the big finale song. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's their love, their love song all the way through. It's what sort of binds the whole film together and, you know, it's playing in the background quite a lot and it's all, it's just lovely. And it's yeah. also um, on a personal level, it's it, my best friend, Tally, I met her, um, around eight years ago and she was the first person that I ever met that told me that she was like oh my god I love Moulin Rouge I grew up with it. Me, me and my sisters used to do the dances around the living room to it and everything and I was like oh, I found my people um, so we bonded over Moulin Rouge yeah so um that that's our song as well like, right, yeah. like we've both got matching come what my tattoos um and we're quite often you know it's our sort of it's our sort of way of saying love you sort of thing. We're like, yeah. come what may, yeah. you know, we're, we're together sort of thing. So that's yeah. really special to me personally. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but then the other favourites, definitely El Tango de Roxanne. Yeah. Just because it's amazing. It's yeah, yeah. powerful and brilliant and beautiful. It is. Um, it is. But I think the underdog for me that probably doesn't get sp- spoken about enough is because it's only on the deluxe version of the soundtrack is um, when Jim Broadbent sings The Show Must Go On. Yeah. And it's only a short bit. I think it's only probably like a minute long. It's not like the full song. Yeah. But it's that moment where it's like everything's gone wrong for Satin and it's basically like it's tough. You've yeah. just, you know, you've got to pull yourself together. You've got to do it. Like, everyone's relying on you. It's just, and it's so powerful, and it's all the cast singing it. And, yeah, yeah that, that's definitely one of my favourites. It's one of the ones that I listen to the most, and I'm, like, you know, dancing around my living room, pretending that I'm <laughs> the one that's got to get through the show. <laughs> Good motivation. So, yeah, yeah. So is that your... <laughs> Very favourite song. Is that the one you'd put at the top as being the best song on the the soundtrack? Or is yeah. it Come Up May is the best song on the soundtrack? Oh, you really think hard, of that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think I think probably Come What May. Yeah. I think that's probably the one that's that I've listened to the most that yeah. you know gets me crying every time. And yeah. I, I guess because it is the original song yeah, yeah. from it. Well, Apparently it was it was Baz Luhrmann's pitch to the movie company was he basically played Come What May and said, there's a story around this. And that was his pitch. And they then said, yeah, go off and make it. So I didn't know that. <laughs> it's that's incredible. And it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, like you say, it had been written for Romeo and Juliet. So there's obviously, it is a similar type of tragic love story, I suppose. So it had been written for Romeo and Juliet and then never yeah, used. Definitely. And he went, we've got to do something with that song because it's brilliant. So he just went off and went, there's a story of this, let's make it. Here you go. Here we are. Lovely. <laughs> um, okay. It, it's difficult on this because there's actually not that many non-musical scenes. Is there a favourite sort of non-musical scene 
that you've got where the music's all stopped and they're not singing and there's something just happens that's a, a lovely moment. There is. Um, and as soon as I sort of knew that you were going to ask this, because it's <laughs> not a lovely moment, it's a very sad moment. Right, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a moment where um, when Satine finds out that the Duke has threatened to kill Christian um, if she doesn't leave him and, and go with the Duke, you know, Harold, um, Jim Broadbent sort of tells her, you know, you need to you need to end it and you need to do it in a way that he's not going to just keep chasing after you. You, yeah, know, yeah. you can't tell him, oh, it's because the Duke's going to kill you. Yeah. He will. He would rather die than be without you. He won't, you know, he won't listen to that. Yeah. So she sort of, she has to tell him that she doesn't love him anymore. Yeah. That she never loved him, you know, that it was all a lie and she's chosen to go with the Duke. Yeah. And it's it's the moment where he confronts her at the Moulin Rouge in, on stage in front of everyone. And, you know, she's on the floor sobbing and begging him to go because she doesn't want him to die. And he has this line that he he chokes it out. He can barely even speak for tears. Yeah. And he says to her, thank you for curing me of my ridiculous obsession with love. And I'm not kidding you, even just saying it out loud now, I can feel my eyes stinging. Yeah. Because it's it's so it sad. Like he's spent this entire time believing about believing in love above anything else, you know, preaching that it's the best thing that could ever happen to anyone. It's all you need in in life. And believing that she loved him just as much as he loved her, and then to have it ripped away from him in such a way. Yeah. And the way that he says it, you know, like, thank you for curing me of this ridiculous obsession. Oh, it just, it gets me every time and it's yeah. brilliant. And it does lead up to come what may. It does, yes. It is, a, you know, it is a section where it's not, it is all just talk and it's just yeah. great performances all yeah. around. Even the onlookers, because, you, you know, you see the Duke sat in the audience looking furious and you've got Harold who's like, he's crying, but he's trying to pull it together. And he says to her, you know, it's for the best and oh it's yeah it's just brilliant it's yeah it gets me every time yeah it's very it's a very powerful moment that one and it it, mm. it is as you say it's it's the the way they both don't want to be in that situation certainly Nicole Kidman doesn't want to be in that situation at all but knows it has to be done and yeah yeah Hugh McGregor's response is probably the only response he could make I guess anger yeah. and getting out of it yeah 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 um, I just think just think it's a wonderful line. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, two questions that go back to back and slightly nasty, I suppose, one of them. Um, who's the best singer, do you think, in it? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think even though it's my favourite film of all time, my favourite musical of all time, yeah. I am absolutely willing to admit that <laughs> neither of them are, you know, world wide superstar singers nope. you know there's, there's definitely much much stronger musical performances yeah in other musicals yeah. in worse musicals um, probably yes but i think <laughs> yeah i mean it's like yeah but <laughs> I, that's not to say that they're bad no but it's just to say that you know they're not they're not winning any Tony Awards, no. let's put it that way, well, probably. They're not singers, um, are they, by trade? They, they were right. actors who were then asked to sing. 
Yeah, and I think for what they're asked to do, I think it's brilliant. I think yeah. you and McGregor, again, I'm really fangirling hard for you and McGregor today. You aren't, yeah. Um, but I do think that... I'm sorry. You're Anyone off to be one after this, aren't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think, I think you and McGregor probably gives the best musical performance purely because it's so surprising. Yeah. Um, there's some bits of songs where he sort of goes sort of a, a key higher and it's quite strong and you sort yeah. of like oh didn't you know didn't know that he had that in him yeah um yeah I think I think probably you McGregor and Nicole Kidman I think they do carry it because I think everyone else in it isn't really there to be big performers no no their no. songs are sort of comedic or you know just sort of background yeah so, but yeah yeah so go on then who's the worst <laughs> Oh, which actor? Oh the no, Duke, they're gonna say. It? Mm, it's gotta be the Duke. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I think. Like, I think, considering I've listened to the soundtrack a million times, <laughs> I think I've listened to "Like a Virgin" not that many times. <laughs> Probably only when I'm actually watching the film. Yeah. It's not one that I would you sing along to in in my living room. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's it's purposely bad, isn't yes. it? He's not meant yes. to be giving an, an award-winning performance. Um, yeah. it, it does what it's meant to do. It cringes you out, makes you feel uncomfortable, and yeah. Yeah, it achieves its goal. He has to sing it that way for it mm. to fit properly with the film. So maybe he's not a bad singer, he's just purposely singing it badly. I don't know. Yeah, I imagine yeah. so. Let's give him that and say that's what it is. And then it, <laughs> if he ever listens to the show, which I doubt he ever will, at least you feel all right about yourself. <laughs> right, I'm going to do a quick ad break at this point. If you want to get in touch with us at the podcast, it's myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at myfavoritefilm, on Instagram at myfavoritefilmpodcast, Facebook, just search up myfavoritefilm, or at worst, go to the website, www.myfavoritefilm, and all the links are on there. And just to say as well, Craigwell Collaboration, they did our lovely theme tune for us. Their new album, A Long Way Home, is available to buy, to download, to stream, whatever it happens to be from wherever you want to get those type of things. Liz, have you got anything you want to plug at this point? Oh, what could I possibly plug? <laughs> um, I guess I would just <laughs> I guess I would just say um please check out Ghouls magazine. Yeah. Um we you, you know, we're a non-profit magazine and we put out so much content every month um some really really interesting articles and reviews and editorials you know a lot of exploration into the world of horror um a lot around mental health and horror disability and horror motherhood in horror um you know we really try and and talk about things that other magazines and other websites aren't yeah. aren't covering as much um we've also got our podcast um you know we try and put out monthly episodes on our sort of ghouls gang membership which you can pay extra for but there are also free episodes every month as well so yeah definitely check that out i will i will put links to the those things in the show notes again i think this is the third one in a row i'll be putting links on but i'll put them in the show notes <laughs> again so if anyone wants to follow it's all there we're everywhere aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, 
let's get back to this this strange film of ours. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's an original musical. It was written for mm-hmm. film rather than the other way around, which is the normal way. They go out on the stage, they get their stage show, and then they get adapted. But this one's being adapted the other way around in that there is now a stage show of it. Have you seen the stage show? Yes, I have. Okay. Very, very quickly purchased tickets. The minute it went on sale in the UK, I was on a train, I think to work or somewhere, and I booked tickets and immediately burst into tears because (laughs) I was so overjoyed and excited. Um, Like I sort of mentioned earlier, you know, at school, it was always a dream that it would be a stage production. I used to imagine what it would be like to sort of go to the theatre and hear all these songs live. And when it got announced in New York, um, there was quite some time where I really considered flying over to New York. <laughs> to see it, but I was like, oh, it's a lot of money, you know, sort of yeah. held, held out in hope that it would come to the UK. And it, it did. And me and my friend that I mentioned earlier that was got the matching tattoo with yeah. me, we managed to get front row tickets um, so we were right in the thick of it, and it was better than I could ever imagine. It was right. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but everything I've seen about it says it, all the posters of it, it's remixed and remastered for the stage. What's yeah. so different about the stage show? So it's it's the same story. Yeah. Um, mostly. I think the only difference really is that um, Toulouse is more of a bigger character in the stage show. Okay. Um, there's a bit of a, sorry, spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen the stage show, <laughs> um, but there's there's a bit more of a, a, a subplot with him where he's sort of also in love with Satine and it's right. a bit sort of, there's that side of it. Yeah. Um, but the remix and remastered is probably to do with the music. Right. It's got a lot of the same songs from the film, but they're sort of edited to feature newer pop songs. And oh, right, okay. Different covers and things. So, for example, um, Satine does a cover of firework by katie perry oh right okay but it's a very slow ballady version and right it's, it's absolutely beautiful um the the love medley has got um the supremes it's got a bit wow. of pink i think yeah um there's, there's just tons it was it was really exciting because we had no idea that that was what it was going to be like. We right. genuinely just thought it's just going to be the movie but on screen, which would have been perfect. Yeah, yeah. But you had the whole audience. Every time they started singing a song, you'd have that split second of the whole audience going, oh, like, and just knowing this new song and being like, oh, yeah, like, and, yeah. you know, I think they've got Adele in there wow. and, um, I can't remember. I can't remember the others, but there's so many new bits in it that make it kind of the same, but for a modern audience. Yeah. So um, obviously, when we went into it, we didn't know that the songs were going to be any different or anything. So it was sort of as they started to play new songs that you weren't expecting, like in the Love Medley, where it sort of started off as the words, you know, and you, you know. 
you can sort of see people mouthing along to the words yeah but then they'd bring in a new song and you just sort of saw everyone in the audience light up and like oh and it's like yes this is a new song and it was just I think because they obviously purposely picked songs that everyone would know even if pop music isn't your cup of tea you know yeah. everyone knows Katy Perry firework yeah, everyone, yeah. you know everyone I think I'm pretty sure that there's a um, in Roxanne, they do like a bit of Britney Spears Toxic as oh, well. Right, okay. <laughs> so it's like, you know, even if, even if you're not a Britney Spears fan, everyone's heard that everyone song. Knows that so song, you've yeah. got everyone really excited. And yeah, yeah that recognition. It was, it was really good. I really highly recommend it to anyone who, who can afford to go and see it. Okay. So this, I, I normally ask about remakes, um, mm-hmm. but obviously it's been remade, but it's been remade as a stage show. So given that it's now there as a, a stage show, would you like to see them make another film version of this based more <laughs> on the stage show than on the original film? Um, for me personally, no. Fair enough. <laughs> um, if we were talking horror, yeah, I think I, I'm a big fan of noughties horror. So, hmm. you know, the era of the remake, indeed. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm all for a remake where you can where someone takes something and puts a fresh new spin on it and yep. makes it something sort of unique but i think with moulin rouge i think because it's so timeless yeah um i i don't know i just I, again it's hard isn't it when it's your favorite film it's hard to ever imagine that oh, anyone yeah. could ever do it better yeah i i really struggle to see how anyone could do it better I mean even the stage show as much as I absolutely loved it and you know I would have gone immediately the next day to see it again (laughs) it's still you know the film's still better yeah it's still it's still the nostalgia and it's still those timeless songs and that timeless story yeah I think maybe because it is so similar to like Romeo and Juliet that sort of tragic love story yeah it's it's hard to how could you sort of redo it? I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, it's, it, I don't think I'd want it personally. Yeah, and I suppose back in 2001, this was fairly unique as musicals go. We hadn't got into that yeah. whole Mamma Mia stage of getting a load of songs by one artist and fitting them somehow into a story. So yeah. it was fairly unique in that that way. Do you think it would work as a, yeah. a non-musical? So doing it like a straight drama? To be honest, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it would. I think the whole magic of Moulin Rouge is those musical numbers. It's yeah. it's not just the song. It's not just you know like a normal musical where it's two people just stood in a random setting, bursting into song and utilizing you know the setting that they're in. Yeah, Moulin Rouge. It's 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 magical you know when they sing they're transported up into the clouds and they're dancing in the stars and things like that and I just feel like if you take out that sort of fantasy element of it yeah you just lose all you just lose what it's about you'd lose all that that magic that makes it so special yeah I was just kind of thinking because there's so many musicals that are based on dramas that they're making a musical yeah. version. So I would wonder if it would just work the other way around that you'd go, actually, you know what? That's 
a great story, can we make it into a a drama? Or even a I mean, a I guess you could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like the other thing is, I think without all the musical numbers and the magic and stuff, it would be pretty depressing. Yeah. It would only be half an hour long as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the plot isn't that rich, is it, really? Not really. It's the musical numbers that make it. So, yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to mention? Is there anything that you've, we think you've, we've sort of missed out? Is there... You know, elements of the film you have just not talked about at all that you'd like to? Um, I mean, I feel like I've talked about it quite a lot. Yeah, we've, um, we've gone through it quite well. Know, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I guess the only way that I could sort of keep talking about it is to just keep <laughs> talking about how much I love it. So it's probably best that we... Probably best that we move on because you, know, you stop at that point. PM here, it, it'll go on all night. Honestly, it's fair enough. No, I, I, I can understand. I mean, it's. I think favorite films are always. And obviously, I've done this podcast for quite a while now. I don't have any episodes to put out now, but I've talked to a lot of people about their favorite films, and everyone can just talk and talk and talk about their favorite film because that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's just trying to bring that down into a, a smaller, manageable chunk for everybody out there who possibly hasn't yeah. seen the film yet. Um, yeah, I guess it's just you're lucky when your favourite films are musical because yeah. it's not just watching the film, it's getting to listen to the soundtrack. And I know you can do that with like scores from other films. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not quite the same as having like, I mean, you could listen to the Moulin Rouge soundtrack and sort of it essentially tells you the story yeah. through the songs. Yeah. So it's just like another way of watching it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I I'm lucky, lucky in that one. My favourite film is Highlander, and it's got such a great soundtrack, you can just put that soundtrack on. So, Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> one of those lucky things. <laughs> anyway, tough one then, tough final question. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine someone's never seen this film before. Can you sell it in mm-hmm. about 30 seconds? Whew, okay. Um, I would sell it in the... Moulin Rouge has everything that I think that you could really want from a film. It's got romance, it's got comedy, it's got music, it's tragic, it will leave you feeling all sorts of feelings. It's not something where, you know, you can sort of, you can sort of see what's going to happen, but it doesn't make it any less painful. Um, You sort of leave it feeling like, oh God, like that was really beautiful and really tragic and I want that kind of love. Um, it's got the magical feel of Baz Luhrmann's other films where everything's so bright and beautiful one minute and then it's so cold and devastating the next. Um, it's just unlike anything else that you'll probably ever see, maybe up until Elvis, but <laughs> Elvis is good, but not as good. Um, the songs are really timeless. You can listen to them over and over again. And Ewan McGregor is really, really, really hot. And if that doesn't sell you, I, I don't know what else will. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll take that. You McGregor is really, really hot. Should maybe put that in the poster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Um, just to remind people, because I don't think we did say, where can we find you out there in, in the big wide world of the Wild Web, other than the Ghouls magazine, which I'll put links to. Is there anywhere else where people follow you and find your stuff? 
Um, yeah, so you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and it's at KillLizzed, as in L-I-Z-T. Um, Twitter is probably the one that I'm the most active on, and especially if you want to talk about films or have me on your podcast, I'm, <laughs> I'm down to talk about films at all times. Um, so, yeah, mostly just there, to be honest. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much for coming along tonight. Um, I always say at night, I keep saying this, every episode I keep saying, thanks for coming along tonight, and it's only night because night for me, but you could be listening to this anytime. So thank you for coming along <laughs> to this episode. Um, and hopefully we'll speak sometime in the future. Okay, bye-bye for now. I owe you nothing. And you're nothing to me. Thank you for curing me my ridiculous obsession with love.